0: Happy Independence Day. By God's gracious providence, America's Declaration of Independence and Constitution established the freest and greatest nation on the planet. America is worthy of celebration. America is worthy of flag waving. America is worthy of fireworks. America is worthy of a heartfelt declaration of God bless America. I say that without hesitation or apology to anyone. COVID-19 insanity aside, there's never been a nation where you're freer to serve, worship, and preach to the Lord Jesus in the home, the church, and the streets. And on this Independence Day, brothers and sisters, we are out from under the tyrannical mandates that have been over us for over a year. Praise God. And may such mandates never be passed again. And may we not submit unto them, should they be, for they are not constitutional, they are not lawful. Praise God, there has never been a nation where you're freer to serve, worship, and preach the Lord Jesus Christ in the home, the church, and the streets There's no nation where red, yellow, black, and white men and women have more equality and opportunity to pursue happiness to the glory of God. Every nation has its evils, but America alone is founded on documents that establish the God-given inalienable right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness and the freedom of speech that allow us to boldly proclaim God's word, God's law, and God's gospel from sea to shining sea, to set sinners free from the tyranny of sin and Satan and death. The solution to America's sins isn't to hate America. It's to pray for God to bless America with repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. It's to die to self and take up the cross of Jesus Christ. It's to go, therefore, and preach repentance and remission of sin in Jesus' name. To all nations, beginning with our own. Hating America isn't a Christian virtue. Rome was profoundly wicked. Yet you never find Jesus or the apostles hating on the nation of Rome in the New Testament. Pontius Pilate was the Roman governor over the province of Judea that unjustly condemned the Lord Jesus to death and had him crucified. The Apostle Paul was persecuted throughout his ministry by Roman officials and finally beheaded in Rome under the rule of Nero. Where do you find the most thorough proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the New Testament? Amazingly, it was written on behalf of Jesus by Paul, quote, to all who are in Rome. And it's actually named Romans. Romans. Romans 13 would be the obvious place for the Holy Spirit to compel Paul to unleash Holy Spirit-inspired hatred for Rome. But you find the exact opposite. Paul says this to Roman Christians living in Rome under the rule of unjust and often cruel Roman government. Quote, Let every soul be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Romans 13, through 10. Let's go one apostle further than Paul. Extra-biblical history tells us that the apostle Peter was crucified upside down by Roman authorities in Rome. Yet Peter wrote, quote, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. 1 Peter 2, verse 17. Honor the king, not hate the king. Hate America's sin. Don't hate the star-spangled red white and blue hand that God's providence used to make us the freest people to ever walk the planet. Instead, love God and love America by using unprecedented freedom, the unprecedented freedom God has given you for the glory of God and the redemption of sinners through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. By using the unparalleled freedom that God has given you to proclaim the truth of God's law that it might revive America's conscience and turn America from its sins. The sins of unbelief, idolatry, false religion, false Christ, pride, lust, fornication, homosexuality, gender rebellion, sexual perversion of every kind, and abortions, unconscionable murder of 63 million babies since Roe v.ersus Wade. By using the amazing freedom that God has given you to lovingly warn individual Americans in America as a whole, that the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Psalm 9, verse 17. Will we not warn our fellow Americans that the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God? Will we not use this freedom that God has given us to that end? Make no mistake. If we fail to use the gift of freedom that God has bestowed on us to advance His kingdom in the earth our freedom will soon be gone. In our apathy and self-love, we will have squandered this great gift in a selfish and futile attempt to get our best life now. What then? Then God will raise up men who will willingly suffer and die to advance the kingdom of Christ through the preaching of God's law and gospel. Without the protection of the rights and freedoms that the Declaration of Independence and Constitution afford us. If we should squander our freedom, make no mistake, God will raise up men to preach. And they will suffer, and they will die. And their wives and children will suffer with them. That's, that's what God did before America. That's what God is still doing around the world right now in many places. That's what He'll do after America until Christ returns to put His enemies beneath His feet and rule and reign forever. The kingdom of Christ and His gospel will prevail, brothers and sisters. The gates of hell will not thwart God. It will not thwart the advancement of the kingdom of God. Certainly no earthly government will, but they may well imprison, behead, crucify, stone, boil, or shoot you or faithful gospel preachers that you love. Freedom is a precious gift and it's foolish to squander it. It's foolish to devalue it. Freedom is a precious gift. Let us use it to deliver the most precious gift of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ, while we have this freedom. And take a little time Yes, to eat some apple pie and to wave the flag and to light some fireworks and to smell the gunpowder and to reflect on the gift of freedom that will soon be gone if we don't stand up now like soldiers of Christ and fight the good fight for Christ our King as He has commanded us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3-4. through 4. Oh, may we value freedom. There are many today who are saying profoundly foolish things about freedom not mattering. May God rebuke them and grant them repentance. And I'm not talking about non-believers. I'm talking about professing Christians and actual Christians, saying that freedom doesn't matter. And should we lose our freedom? Should we lose the right to meet under the First Amendment, to congregate and to worship then they'll just meet in homes. And should their homes be invaded and they be arrested, well, then they'll just worship in jail. And should they be put to death in jail, well, then they'll go to glory. Well, that's nice to say when it's not going on. It's not nice to say at all when your loved ones are suffering and dying. And it's not nice to say at all when men and women have suffered and died that we might enjoy this freedom to worship God, to congregate together, to raise our children up to serve and honor Christ in our homes. The freedom to go stand in the city square and preach Christ crucified, to call all men everywhere, to repent, to confess him as Lord. That is an incredible gift from God. Afforded us through a Constitution that God providentially has gifted us, and the Bill of Rights that has come with it, foremost that freedom of speech, and foremost for this very thing, that we might gather to worship the Lord, and that we might go to proclaim Him. What an amazing thing this Constitution is. What an amazing thing the Bill of Rights is. What an amazing thing the First Amendment is. And what an amazing thing the Second Amendment is behind it to throw off any would-be tyrants that would come in to defy the Constitution, that would come in to deny us the right to congregate, the right to worship, the right to proclaim Christ the King from sea to shining sea. This thing called America, built on the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, is an amazing gift of God, not just to you and I, but to all of humanity. There is a reason, contrary to the lies of the BLM movement, contrary to the lies of the woke movement, contrary to the lies of the communists that are always waving their red flags, rah, rah, rah communism, down with capitalism, there's a reason the entire world is not trying to break into China. There's a reason the entire world is not trying to break into Russia. There's a reason the entire world is not trying to break into the communist nation's around the world, but they're trying to break into the United States of America. Because freedom and prosperity are here. Because the biblical worldview has been realized here, and the fruits thereof, freedom and prosperity, have flowed from it. How incredibly foolish for Christians to devalue the freedom and the prosperity that has flowed from the biblical worldview, being lived out as a nation and as a people. And to devalue that freedom and that wealth that has allowed us as a nation and a people to bless the world. As a rule, America has been a blessing to humanity. The greatest blessing of all, of course, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. America has sent more Bibles, printed more Bibles, and sent more Bibles, printed more tracts, and sent more tracts, raised up missionaries, sent them, than any nation of the world. America has sent more medicine and more aid to suffering people around the world. America has sent military aid to stop evil men from doing evil deeds again and again throughout history. This is the result of the biblical worldview applied to a continent, to a nation, to the United States of America. To devalue that, to despise our flag, to despise our constitution, to despise our nation is not Christian, it's folly, it's foolish, it's unthankful, it's unholy, and may God grant those woke Christians repentance, for they're not manifesting biblical convictions or emotions born out of the Word of God and the Spirit of God within them. No, they're manifesting liberalism. This whole woke thing in the church, this America-hating thing in the church, is an invasion of liberalism in the church. It's an invasion of Marxism in the church. It's an invasion of communism in Christ's church. And communism, fundamentally is atheistic, God-hating, antichrist. It has no place in Christ's church. It must be put out. Pastor John MacArthur said, I think many people alter the gospel not to make it easier for people to believe, but they alter the gospel to take the heat off themselves for presenting it. We no longer want to go, therefore, and make disciples. We no longer want to turn the world upside down. And we don't just hold the gospel back in our daily lives. We don't just hold the gospel back from our friends and family members who desperately need it. We don't just hold the gospel back from the city center where it ought to be preached. We don't just hold it back from the rooftop where Christ said to proclaim it boldly. We hold it back even in the pulpits. Even amongst so-called Christians who gather in the Lord's day, we're holding the purity of the gospel back. And Pastor MacArthur's really had a long ministry of writing book after book after book. Essentially, they all could be titled the same, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that pivotal work. Again, if you have not read the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to read the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ashamed of the gospel, a pivotal work. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. The gospel according to the apostles, the gospel according to Paul, the gospel according to God, I think, which was the gospel in Isaiah 53. All pivotal works. The apostle Paul, the apostles, Isaiah, Jesus Christ, all proclaiming the one true gospel. And Pastor MacArthur's had a lifelong ministry of protecting and proclaiming that gospel in the church, in the church. And so we're not only failing to take the gospel to the world, we're failing to take the gospel to the church because the gospel is so offensive, it'll offend even the church, which means what? The church isn't the church. Self-love shuts our mouths entirely or compels us to carefully nuance or truncate or alter God's word, God's law, God's gospel An attempt to avoid offending men and women who hate our God, our apathetic silence and suppression of God's truth, purchase us peace with those who are warring against our God, its sedition toward God, and hatred toward perishing sinners. We have held the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ back from the world around us. Motivated by self-love, not love of God, not love of neighbor. Love of God, love of neighbor compels us to proclaim the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ to our perishing neighbors. Love of God, love of neighbor compels pastors to faithfully preach the word, whether in season or out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Above all, to defend, define, and declare the gospel in the pulpit. It is not love to God or love to neighbors, not love of the church, to withhold the gospel because it might offend. We have been doing this in the world. We've been doing it in the church and we see the fruit thereof. The fruit of this unfaithfulness in the pulpit and on the street, the fruit of this pastoral and congregational unfaithfulness is a post-Christian America. Is a perverse America. Is a Woke America, a BLM America, a Marxist America, a Muslim America, a Buddhist and Hindu America. And any God will do America except the one true God. That God won't do it all. Any truth will do my truth, your truth, the truth. You do you except the truth except the way and the truth and the life, Jesus Christ. Any good news will do, except the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the result of our self-love for decades. That's the result of our apathy, our cowardice, and our refusal to obey the Great Commission in the pulpit and in the streets. A post-Christian America. And we tend not to complain about the pulpit or the congregation failing to obey Christ and make Christ's name great in the earth, failing to submit unto the Lord and go, therefore, and make disciples, failing to die to self and take up the cross. We tend to complain about those wretched sinners out there doing wretched, sinful things. Judgment begins with the house of the Lord. It begins with us. Let us not complain about the wretched sinners. Let us plead with God that He would save the wretched sinners through the means He has provided. God has provided a means to save the wretched sinners, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And your feet shod with that gospel so that everywhere you go, that gospel is being carried forth. Generations before us, believe that the world should be turned upside down, believe that every man, woman, and child should hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, should be called to repentance and faith in Christ. And now we've made peace, peace, where there is no peace. Some do it on an intellectual basis, claiming to be wiser than God. That won't work. That'll just turn people off. Going and proclaiming God's law that is perfect, converting the soul, will just turn people off. I know God says that his law is perfect and converts souls, but no, no, it won't. I know that God says that the gospel is the power of God into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, but it isn't. I know that God says that the scripture is able to make men wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, but they don't. That is whether most Christians realize it or not. That is where they live and what they actually believe based upon what they actually do and don't do. If we believe the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul, if we believe the law of the Lord is a tutor to bring men to Christ to be justified by faith, we'll proclaim the law of the Lord. We'll proclaim God's holy standard, We'll hold it up as a mirror that men and women would see themselves in it and cry out, "I am undone! What must I do to be saved? If we believe that the gospel is the power of God to salvation, we'll proclaim it. Knowing, 1 Corinthians 1, that to those whom the Lord is calling, they will see it as the wisdom of God. But to those He's not calling, yes, they'll only and always see it as foolishness. But to us who are being saved, we see the cross, we see the resurrection, we see Christ in all His magnificence. It's the very wisdom of God. And so, let us proclaim this glorious gospel. Christianity and the Bible will soon be outlawed in post-Christian America and the Western world if Christians continue this perverse pattern of self-loving cowardice. God Himself will be outlawed by the very lawless, leftist, god-hating proponents of pre-born baby genocide, Sodomite perversion, Marxist slavery. And BLM race baiting that we're afraid of offending. We've got to stop crying peace, peace when there is no peace. There's a war on. There's a war on. And the enemy is winning because Christ's church is cowering. I've used the illustration before. Let me use it again. Christ's church, for the most part, is like Israel under King Saul with Goliath and the Philistines across the valley, there's Israel, King Saul, cowering. Oh me, oh my, what are we going to do? There are giants in the land. And then a boy named David, who had faith in God, who believed God, showed up on the scene and was appalled, appalled that his brothers, appalled that the entire army of God stood there while this Goliath and the army with him, this giant and his Philistine, uncircumcised Philistine army, defied and blasphemed the one true God. And he could not abide it. And he said, I will go. I will go. And the God who gave me victory over the bear and victory over the lion will give me victory over this giant Oh dear saints, we must be like David. We must believe God that with one little sling and a stone, right? With the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the word of God. These things that not just the world disdains, the church disdains the power of God's word. The church has more faith in Goliath and uncircumcised Philistine armies than they do in the God of the Bible and in the Bible itself, bringing them to their knees. Oh, that God would give us the faith of David. That we would go, therefore. That commandment to go, therefore, was not written to a people living in a republic. Living under a constitution that affords them free speech. The right to keep and bear arms. No, no. They lived in a violent world. A world where people lived and died based upon what God they believed in and how they worshiped him on a regular basis. And yet Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. And they did. They filled their cities with the doctrine of Christ. They turned the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they suffered and they died for it. But the kingdom of Christ was advanced and essentially the whole known world was Christianized. A world opposed to God, a world opposed to God's Christ and God's gospel was brought to its knees. God's amazing grace was brought to humanity. And because of their faithfulness, here we are on the other side of the world, worshiping God through Jesus Christ, the one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ, Jesus. But if we continue the way we are, it will not be another generation Before men and women are coming from China, coming from Russia, coming from Indonesia, coming from Somalia, of all godless places, to evangelize America. Oh, dear saints, we must do our job right here. We must labor right here where God has placed us. In this post-Christian nation, we must labor to bring every knee before Christ bent and confessing Him as Lord. Again, to quote John MacArthur, he says, Many in the church today seem to believe you must have an angle to present the gospel to a hostile world. You must be indirect and winsome and simplistic and careful not to turn anyone off. And if, God forbid, someone should be offended or reject the message... It means you have failed. Is that a biblical perspective? No, it's not. And again, I warn you that what he says, he's saying primarily in the context of a criticism of pulpit ministry, which to me is astounding. It's astounding that pastors would be ashamed of the gospel in the pulpit, but they are. They are. It's a crime against God and humanity that pastors would be so self-loving, such hirelings, that they would hold back the full counsel of God's word, hold back even the gospel of Jesus Christ from those who show up on the Lord's day because it might offend them that they would not be willing to differentiate the heresies of Roman Catholicism from the gospel of Jesus Christ, the heresy of Mormonism from the gospel of Jesus Christ, the false Christ of the Jehovah's Witness cult from the true Christ, who is not the Archangel Michael, but the Lord of glory, God eternally, the Son who became flesh and was crucified and resurrected again the third day. We wouldn't want to offend anyone who cannot articulate clearly that Islam is of the devil. It's a satanic religion. That the Quran is not holy. It's a satanic and violent, bloody book. We cannot speak clearly because we're so desperately afraid of offending because we love ourselves so much. And it starts in the pulpit. It's an atrocity. And then, of course, It continues on in the pew and in the average Christian life. How can we expect the church to fill their city with the doctrine of Christ, to turn the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ, when the pastors won't even fill the church with the doctrine of Christ? And turn the church upside down, if need be, with the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's a crime that must cease or the biblical worldview that has prevailed in our land and produced this thing we call freedom, produced this amazing prosperity, that will all come to an end. And I'm not saying preach the gospel that you might be free and that you might be prosperous. I'm saying preach the gospel for the glory of God, the redemption of sinners. And through that, freedom will continue and prosperity will continue And you'll be able to preach all the more. You'll be able to serve Christ all the more. Evil prospers when Christians attempt to get their best life now and avoid the hatred of their God-hating friends, family, co-workers, and neighbors. And remember, no one is neutral. They either, by the grace of God, have bent their knee to Christ and confessed Him as Lord, or they ultimately hate God. No one is neutral. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you do not if you do not gather with me, you scatter abroad. Christian self-love, silence and suppression of God's truth are destroying America. Why are there still a billion souls perishing under the antichrist pope, his priests and soul-damning sacraments of Roman Catholicism over 500 years after the Protestant Reformation? Why? Christian self-love, silence and suppression of God's truth Because men like Doug Wilson, who are famous Protestant Reformed preachers, call Roman Catholics their brothers and sisters in Christ. Which is a profound lie and hatred of Roman Catholics who desperately need to be called to repent of their Roman Catholic heresy and to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ unto salvation. Why is the ugly, misogynist, murderous, bloody religion of Islam advancing rapidly in the earth? Christian self-love, silence, and suppression of God's truth. Why are 125,000 pre-born babies violently slaughtered every day in the most horrific genocide the world has ever known? Christian self-love, silence, and suppression of God's truth. Think how prolific abortion is in our culture. Think about how often women's rights are talked about, but everyone knows they're talking about the right to murder children. And yet Christians are so incredibly apathetic that they won't even speak. They won't even push back on that in polite conversation because they know it would quickly be ugly and all semblance of politeness (laughs) would be gone. Because we are so committed to murdering our own children. Because we're so committed to our sexual freedom. Because we're so committed to disobeying God and defying Him at every turn. And so we dare not push back. No, we must. We must. Out of love of God and love of neighbor. Why is every kind of sexual perversion and deviancy growing? A man was just declared, I believe yesterday, certainly if not yesterday, this week, declared to be Miss Nevada in the United States of America. Think about that. A man was declared to be Miss Nevada. A decade ago, the men would be appalled. Think about who goes to these things. And I don't want you to go to these things. I don't want you to look it up online or anything. The people interested in these things used to be men who were interested in women. And they understood that a man is not a woman. And they would be appalled by the idea of a man acting like a woman, much less dressing as a woman, much less having surgeries and taking hormones to so-called become a woman. That would be sickening to them. They would despise that. But now our culture has so quickly submitted itself to this universal defiance of God and denial of gender as God created it in a celebration of perversion that no one, No one in the public realm, no one with any influence is willing to say, well, that's disgusting, that's appalling, that's a shame on Nevada. My goodness, no one should support that. And guess what? Guess what that is, ladies? It's, again, a wonderful example of a man taking a woman's place. Not that I want any woman to run for Miss Nevada. Men are replacing women misogyny on a whole new level they're taking your spots on the podium they're taking your spots on the track and field they're taking your spots in the shower and in the bathroom stall and they're taking the spot of miss nevada that's the world we live in and how quickly we have capitulated to where there's this broad acceptance broad acceptance We do not get there except through Christian apathy and silence born out of self-love. We don't get there as a culture. There are still millions upon millions of professing Christians and they're in church today even and they've got the same Bible sitting in their lap as you do. But they're silent on these things except maybe to complain today on the Lord's Day. Did you hear a man? But they won't speak in the grocery and they won't speak at the coffee shop and they won't speak in the workplace, and they won't speak the actual law of God, not just to complain, but the law of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ that would change it. It would rescue other men from embracing that perversion, other women from embracing perversion and bring them to repentance and faith in Christ. I can only imagine what it's going to look like, what America's going to look like without revival in 10 years and 20 years. I can only imagine, and if there's not revival, I can't imagine that I'll be free to preach what I'm preaching this very moment right here in this pulpit. They are after our freedoms because they hate God and they love their sin. And hear me, Marxism has united itself with homosexuality, with perversion, and with this this whole BLM movement, creating racism, creating unrest, creating hatred— In the culture, ultimately, it's a vehicle to advance Marxism. And if we're silent on these things, again, we're not loving God or neighbor. Why are leftist ideals and Marxism advancing in the West and amongst professing Christians in the visible church, despite their moral bankruptcy and proven track record of unleashing cruel oppression, starvation, mass murder, tyranny, and state-enforced atheism? Christian self love, silence, and suppression of God's truth. Evil prospers when Christians attempt to get their best life now and avoid the hatred of their God hating friends, family, co workers, and neighbors. The Bible tells us Satan is the father of lies. John 8, 44 says this, You are of your father the devil. The desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. We now have a whole culture of liars. They're all liars. Men aren't men. Women aren't women. And to say so is a crime. A man is acting like a woman. A perverted man is acting like a woman and trotting around on stage to win Miss Nevada. And again, I haven't seen any of it. Don't want to see any of it. Don't go see it. That's the truth. But that truth has become hatred in our culture. And so we don't want to be called haters. And so we will withhold the truth. We've got Christians telling not just Christians, we've got Christian leaders, we've got pastors telling congregants, telling their churches, telling average Christians the right way to reach a transvestite is to call him a her, to call him Susie if he wants to be Susie, and to play along with their rebellion against God, and not to talk to them about Jesus, not to bring them to the law or the gospel of Jesus Christ, but just to be nice to them, And maybe one day they'll ask you about your faith and then you can share with them. Because you know that's what Jesus and the apostles did, right? No, they turned the world upside down. They called every man everywhere to repentance and faith. That's what Jesus and the apostles did. But we've made peace with this culture that's in rebellion against God. And there cannot be peace there. Again, the devil is a murderer from the beginning. We've got a whole culture that calls baby murder a woman's right. They won't call it what it is. They they have these other terms. We must take those terms and expose them for what they are. You mean the murder of a precious human being created in God's image for God's glory? You mean the violent ripping asunder of an unborn baby boy or girl? You mean the crushing and dismemberment of a human child? That one family who wants a child would celebrate and have a baby shower for and all their friends and family would celebrate with them, but another mother, because that's what she is, that's what a pregnant woman is, Another mother doesn't want her baby, so she murders it and calls it an expression of her pro-choice values, and her family and friends celebrate with equal zeal, her expression of her pro-choice values. That's a culture of lies and murder. That's a satanic culture. And the Lord Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil, the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. We need no supporting evidence to know that this statement is true. Nevertheless, Marxism's successful infiltration into Christianity is irrefutable evidence of the power and danger of satanic deception. Homosexualities' mass adoption and celebration and support is, again, proof of the devil's lies and our proneness to believe them in our own fallen sin nature. Biblical Christians oppose Satan's woke social justice, BLM, Marxist revolution. Ignorant Christians... I don't say that as an insult, I say it as a reality. Ignorant Christians and false converts militantly preach and promote Satan's woke social justice BLM Marxist revolution. It's this new Christian thing, and it's utterly invaded the Southern Baptist denomination and so many others, as well as individual churches. Black Lives Matter isn't about saving black lives. An article from 2014 titled Black Sheriff Says If Black Lives Matter They Protest at Abortion Clinics exposes BLM's gross hypocrisy. CNN's Poppy Harlow interviewed Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark about the recent protests that some in the black community have sparked after the police-related deaths of Michael Brown and Eric Garner. Harlow asked the sheriff... Who's been on several news shows on Fox and others about a tweet he sent out implying if Black Lives Matter, the protesters would be outside abortion clinics because of the high number of black babies killed by abortion. The tweet sent by Sheriff Clark, a black man himself, was sent to Mitch Smith, journalist in the Chicago Bureau of the New York Times. That's Hart, by the way. That's a good example. That's Hart. He's a sheriff. He's a public official. And he had the heart to do this publicly. And then when they called him on the carpet and said, hey, we want to interview you, he gladly stepped up and spoke more truth. The tweet said this, if only these faux protesters were asked by media about all the black on black killing or black babies aborted in the U.S. every year. You're concerned about black lives? Well, he's a sheriff. He, he knows that black men are killing black men and black men are killing black children and black men are killing black women. That's a tragedy and that's not a racist statement. That is a factual reality in the United States of America in our inner cities. That's not racist. It's unloving to suppress the truth. You know what the black community needs to hear in America? Stop killing yourselves. Stop killing your children. Stop devaluing marriage. Stop devaluing women. And David A. Clark is a good example of a man willing to speak truth in a culture that loves lies and loves murder. The interviewer, Poppy, asked the sheriff if he sent the tweet. Yes, I did, Sheriff Clark responded. He continued, when I hear these things, that black lives matter, the only people who really believe that statement are American police officers who go into American ghettos every day to keep people from killing each other. All right, so yes, I did say that, and I meant it. Look, the abortions, if black lives, if they really mattered... That's where the outrage would be. That's where we'd see protest. If Black Lives Mattered, Black Lives Matter would not hate the police and call for them to be defunded and disbanded. If Black Lives Mattered, Black Lives Matter wouldn't support abortion ardently, and they do. Let's talk briefly about the daily mass murder and ongoing genocide of black babies. Today, with more than 28% of all black pregnancies ending In abortion, it's a human crisis. Abortion is the number one killer of black lives in the United States. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, abortion kills more black people than HIV, homicide, diabetes, accident, cancer, and heart disease combined. In 2014, African-American women comprised 13.3% of the U.S. population, but black women had 36% of all abortions. So this truth needs to be spoken to dispel the lie of BLM. BLM is a lie. And just so you know, I've made it a mission as I'm out on the streets preaching the law and gospel. This is part of preaching the law and gospel in our culture. I've made it a mission to expose the lie of BLM. And no one has engaged me. No one. You know why? Because they can't. The facts don't care about the feelings of the BLMers. The facts are unbudging. And the BLM movement is nothing but feeling and Marxist propaganda. And so those caught up in it, all the t-shirt-adorned young men and young women caught up in it, they have no ability to articulate a defense of that which they're adorning themselves with, of that which they're marching for, of that which they're burning down cities for. They can't justify it. They can't defend it. They can't articulate an intelligent defense that would justify their passion and their actions. Black Lives Matter is a Marxist tool. It isn't about black lives. It's about advancing Marxism. That isn't a conspiracy theory. I left my tinfoil hat at home. Black Lives Matter is about Marxism, not saving black lives. One recent article from a Christian organization accurately notes what is now common knowledge. Quote, Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors, who is the owner of several new homes, not very Marxist of her, said this, we are trained Marxist. The founder of BLM said we are trained Marxist. During an interview with Real News Network, Marxism is important for Christians to understand because it is an ideology that pushes atheism and persecutes Christians. The Chinese believers understand this better than most because they are still suffering under the banner of Marxism. Karl Marx said, quote, religion is the opium of the people and taught that his fight for oppressed people and religion were incompatible. So his fight for oppressed people and religion, specifically Christianity, are incompatible. History has shown that more Christians have died from communist Marxism than any other single ideology in the history of man. Marxism has been tried on nearly every continent, in different nations, by different cultures, but there has never been a nation on earth that has adopted Marxist teaching and has not systematically killed Christians. Not one, ever. That's a sober thought. From the gulags in Russia to the death camps in North Korea, to Red Terror in Ethiopia, to the killing fields of Cambodia, to cultural revolution in China, Marxism has been one of the most brutal Christian killing machines in history. Researcher Antonio Soshi claims the untold story of the 20th century is the murder of 45 million Christians, mostly at the hands of Marxism, and that massacres still continue to this day. Brother Andrew is a Dutch Christian missionary known for smuggling Bibles into communist countries, in his book, God Smuggler, he said, quote, the challenge of communism is the stupid proclamation that there is no God. BLM doesn't specifically note that they are Marxist on their website, but co-founder Patrice Cullors clarifies her organization's Marxist goals during an interview with Real News Network. Quote, we are trained Marxist. Here are some quotes taken directly from the Black Lives Matter website. We are guided by the fact that all black lives matter regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs or disbeliefs, immigration status or location. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead. Is this about black lives or perversion? Hmm. We are self-reflexive and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk, especially black trans women, who continue to be disproportionately impacted by trans antagonistic violence. Let's define cisgender. Denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds with their birth sex. Hear that again. That's what cisgender is. Denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds with their birth sex. In other words, being cisgender is being sane. It's being sane. Sound of mind. It's having eyes, right? Oh, that's a, that's a boy, right? When a boy is born, you don't say, that's an it. That may be a girl. We don't know what that is. We don't call the boy they or z; it's a he, it's a boy. When a girl is born, she is a precious girl. We call her a girl, not a ze, not a they, and certainly not a he. But in our culture, that's, that's called cisgender. And to be cisgender is bad, it's bad, bad, don't do it. We built a space, this is BLM website, we build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. Now, I would challenge that based upon the premise that before their statement about black women, they placed black trans men, men pretending to be women. So their defense of men pretending to be women came before their defense of women. And again, that's what we're seeing all through our culture. When a man wants to be a woman, he gets to take your spot, ladies. He gets to take your spot. He comes to the front of the line. Why? Oh, because of intersectionality, right? Intersectionality, especially if he's a minority who wants to pretend to be a woman, or he's got mixed uh, heritage. He's got several minorities mixed up in his genetic code, and he wants to pretend to be a woman. Now, I mean, you're way back in the line, ladies. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, there's a long line of perverted men ahead of you. You'll have to wait for the shower, for the sauna, for the ladies, the women's shelter, and apparently for Miss Nevada. You'll have to wait because there's a man and a dress ahead of you. It goes on. We practice empathy. We engage comrades with the intent to learn about and connect with their context. Who? You engage who? Comrades. Comrades. Where do you hear about comrades? From Marxists. That's where. The Democratic National Committee was full of speakers talking about comrades. 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 My goodness. Why don't you just go ahead and hang the hammer and sickle up? Comrade. That's what's driving the Democratic National Committee. That's what's driving the Democratic Party. Communism. The party of comrades. The BLM website continues, we make our spaces family-friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. We dismantle patriarchal practice. They are actively targeting patriarchal practice, meaning the family, that a man would provide for his family, lead his family, protect his family, uh, that he would make a a safe place for his wife, primarily to what? Raise godly offspring to raise children. That's under complete assault. We're dismantling that. We're going to attack the family. We're going to attack gender. We're going to promote communism. That's BLM. This is satanic. It has nothing to do with black lives. Will this improve black lives? No. No. The more Uh, success BLM has in the black community or in our nation at large, the more people of all colors will suffer. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. They're not just targeting patriarchy. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. The Western prescribed nuclear family structure. They're going to disrupt it. They're going to destroy it, dismantle it. What is the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. It's the biblical family unit as God has designed it. And they've put that in their sights to destroy. That's one of their stated goals. We foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking. Again, like cisgender, bad. Heteronormative thinking, bad thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless he or they disclose otherwise. So you you can't just assume people's gender or sexuality. So you've got to be careful how you speak at all times. And and not to oppress others by talking about your own cisgender nature or uh, heteronormative um, life. Uh, You've got to suppress your speech. We cultivate an intergenerational communal network free of ageism. We believe that all people, regardless of age, show up with the capacity to lead and learn. Well, that's nice for an hour or two, but communism is not nice to the elderly community. The weak, the elderly, the infirm, they do not prosper in communist societies. Oh, no, not at all. Because you're not producing for the state. And that's all you are in a communist society. You are a producer. You are a worker. And if you can't go down into the mine and, and pull something out of that ground that, that's going to kill you and prosper us, then we don't value you anymore. I mean, that's a simplification, but it's fairly accurate simplification. We embody the practice of justice, liberation, and peace in our engagements with one another. It's been feeling really peaceful in America's major cities. And liberation, they're liberating your property, <laughs> it's becoming their property. Um, liberation, there's only been oppression. Oppression. And without the biblical worldview, there will only be oppression. Individuals will oppress individuals. Men will oppress women, always, without the biblical worldview. And governments, godless governments, will oppress masses. Which is why the biblical worldview is a threat to atheistic communism, as Karl Marx himself identified. Done with the BLM quotes. Marxism is a political philosophy developed by Prussian-German philosopher Karl Marx that focuses on class struggle and various ways to ensure equality of outcome for all people. And Marxism shows up, it's always about equality of outcome. Everybody is going to prosper. But in reality, just so you know, communism can't exist without capitalism or without starving mass portions of their society or are just slaughtering them all and taking their stuff. Communism doesn't work. It doesn't work. It is contrary to human nature. It doesn't work. It always leads to oppression. It always leads to mass murder. It always leads to suffering. It always leads to starvation. Communism doesn't work. Bread lines and communism go hand in hand. Vodka and communism go hand in hand. Because the people are not productive. They're not happy. And so they drink. It's a huge problem in Russia. Drunkenness. Alcoholism. The men are given over to it. Thus far, Marxism has never worked in real life. without exception... In the places where Marxism has been, the government model, Christians have been persecuted. That's because there's a foundational difference between Marxism and Christianity, a deep divide that cannot be bridged. There are several aspects of Marxism as a philosophy that put it at odds with the Christian faith. Winston Churchill was prime minister of the United Kingdom from 1940 to 1945 when he led the country to victory in the Second World War. He's one of the 20th century's most important and influential leaders he made this comment about Marxism in a speech before the United Kingdom's House of Commons, quote, The inherent, inherent vice of capitalism is the unequal sharing of blessings. The inherent virtue of socialism is the equal sharing of miseries. Great statement. An article titled Marxism, Evil Laid Bare is enlightening. Quote, I would like to address two important questions. First, why should any of us care about Marxism in a post Marxist world? After all, the Berlin Wall fell almost 25 years ago and communism seems dead just about everywhere. Second, why have so many people been attracted to Marxism over the course of the past 150 years? Or maybe the better question here is what kind of person is attracted to Marxism? In my view, We should still care about Marxism precisely because so many people are still attracted to it, which means, of course, that it's not dead. And as I will argue, not by a long shot. In fact, despite everything we know about its shameful history, Marxism is making a comeback. Another article briefly tallies the historic victims of Marxism, quote, 65 million were murdered in China, starved, hounded to suicide, shot as class traitors. 25 million in the USSR, 2 million in North Korea, 1.7 million in Africa. The nightmare of Cambodia, 2 million dead, is especially vivid. Reactionaries were sorted out from the base population on the grounds of being supporters of the old regime, having gone to school or just for wearing glasses. They were taken to the side of a rice paddy and hacked to death by teenagers, by teenagers, by teenagers. Marxists always get the minds of the youth and raise them up against the generation that came before them. We're on the precipice of a Marxist revolution, and it will be teenagers and 20-somethings that are the soldiers. The time to speak is now. The time to minister the law of God, exposing the evil of Marxism, the evil of the BLM movement and wokeism that has invaded the church, the evil of perversion, and to call them to repentance and faith in Christ is now. Evil is at the door. And the face of evil is Marxism, communism, BLM, wokeism. The face of evil is the Democratic Party. Our job is to go, therefore, and make disciples. Fearlessly, fearing God alone, counting it all joy to suffer various trials as we serve Christ our King, loving Him and loving our neighbors. Our job is to make America great by making America Christian, by obeying Jesus Christ, and going, therefore, and making disciples. Happy Independence Day. Go, therefore, and make disciples with the freedom that God has given you to that end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your house and your word. We pray, Lord, that you would compel us, that you would fill us with love for you, that would Unstop our mouths, that you would fill us with love for our neighbors, that would compel us to speak truth with love, to expose the evils of Marxism, the evils of sexual perversion, the evils, Lord of man's heart, desperately wicked. We ask, Father, that your law would prevail in our land as a tutor to bring men to Christ to be justified by faith. We ask that your gospel would be proclaimed from the rooftops and that men, women, and children by the millions would be granted repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We ask that America would become a Christian nation again, where the biblical worldview is lived out as the rule, where our laws are born out of it as a rule, where churches preach. The word of God in the pulpit and in their communities. And where Christ reigns from sea to shining sea. And missionaries sail from our shores to the nations of the world. We commit it all to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.